Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT, with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as a new teacher. Now today I'm joined by Helen Denton. Guess what? Helen's a maverick. Oh, don't we love mavericks? Maverick's the best thing on earth, I think, especially in primary schools. And Helen, for sure, is one. So, in typical Helen fashion, I said, give us a bit of info, will you, so I can introduce you? Guess how much she gave me? Nothing, <laughs> nought words, a blank sheet of paper. So I'm going to let Helen introduce herself today, which will be much more interesting than me doing it. Helen, hello, Thank good you. to see you again. Your face is still as cheeky. I'll take that as a compliment, Jeremy. Of course, it's a huge compliment because everyone should have a great face or you can't be a great teacher, can you? No, definitely not. Um, okay, so yeah, I have been teaching in Essex for 38 years. Whoa. Man and boy, as I like to say. Of course. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 38 years and I started in secondary school in Greys in Essex and I taught music and drama and I was employed the day after the other teacher had been employed, and then I was put in charge of her. And that oh. went really well. I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, great relationship we tried to build between us. Um, oh, and then in the October, when the two newly qualified teachers were there, they brought a student in for us to manage. <laughs> Good. Well, you, we all love students. All you trainee teachers out there, we love you. We love you with all our hearts. You're great things for the profession and you're great things for busy teachers who, when they're stuck, say, you couldn't help me, could you? Exactly. We were, it was a bit like we were talking about his experience. He was talking about ours and it, was, it, it did work in the end, to be fair. Of course um, it did. You made it work. <laughs> you're very good at making things work. You're a sort of, you know, I think if you hadn't been a teacher... You'd have been someone, you know, in some sort of shady speakeasy saying, uh, you need something done, do you? Need something done? I reckon I can arrange that for you. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah let's have a talk about it. Come over here to this quiet corner. We'll sort it. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Because one of the things I remember, I did, so I did secondary for the 17 years and then I went into primary almost by accident. Um, and I thought it would be so easy being in primary school compared to secondary. And I <laughs> could be more wrong. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't you just love that image? <laughs> yeah, they're only little. Yeah. Well, just do what you say. Yeah. Not in Basildon, they didn't. <laughs> no. Surprise. <laughs> or uh, Whitton. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you go. They don't. It was fantastic. And, and, and How I did think you get I... into it by accident then? Well, um, I took... I left the secondary school role and I thought I would enjoy doing something a little bit different for three months. I went into work for a, um, a supply teaching agency. and uh, Not as a I, teacher? No, 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 as an agent. trying oh, to get. Right. Oh, no, so not my thing. I, um, I hate cold calling. I hate rejection. I hate feeling that I'm no good at something and they don't want me. And, oh, they, it was horrible. I, ugh, so, no. <laughs> I can still, that's still resonating deep deep inside you isn't it yes not good for me and so then a head teacher in Basildon who I went in to speak to about someone we placed there said oh look I need would you help me out for a term and do year six summer term the teachers on mat leave and I was like yeah fine oh my goodness and I'd never had such challenges it was it was fantastic but the challenges one of the huge girl used to wear um, a shell suit in the summer 
and she was always telling me she wasn't effing doing this and she wasn't jeffing doing that and <laughs> it, it was just but i love those i loved that class i loved them they nearly broke me but i yeah. loved them <laughs> well they do don't they until you get used to teaching children like that i was, yeah. I was lecturing on friday and uh and I was telling the, the trainees about a, a lad I had in year six who used to tell me regularly to F off. And I'd say, oh, come on now, let's get on with the work. Yeah, you can F off. I'm not doing all this stuff. And just the various different things I did to manage him, ignore him, make sure everyone else got on with things and worked because we both know this is the case, worked staggeringly hard just to get a relationship with him. And that is absolutely it. That's yeah, it, because then it. he stopped swearing at me. That's, yeah. That was the measure of how brilliant our relationship was. He only swore at me then when something terrible had happened in his eyes. And I think that is that is the key thing. I did a, a talk recently at the Deputy Heads Conference last November, or last October, and it was called Relationships, the Good, the Bad and the Toxic. And I talked about not just relationships with the children, that's most important, but the staff, the caretakers, the office, and with yourself. Because if you don't have a, a caring relationship with yourself, it, it doesn't work. You, you know, no, you tell us a bit more about that, because that's so important. So I decided I wanted to do this. I had this I've had this dream for years because I know you've asked me about, you know, what inspired you to get into teaching. I didn't want to go into teaching. My mum, she said, you're bossy and you like uh, organising <laughs> things. So why don't you go into teaching? I was like, mm, all right. So I, <laughs> I did. And I looked about 12 and the children were all 16 and arguing. Um, and in that first year, every time I saw there were ladies to go past me in the morning wearing a Woolworths uniform, that shows you how old I am. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, please, just let me do that. Let me do that. I'll do that. Please let me do that. I can't deal with this anymore. It's too stressful. And then weirdly, after the first year, and I'll tell you a little bit, because that's when I did the production Grease, and that completely changed me and the children. Um, we, I, I walked into this other music room. And a load of children were sitting on the back bench where they weren't supposed to sit. And I walked in and they leapt off the bench and went, oh, like that. And I thought, ah, I've made it. I've made it. I've done the year. I survived. I'm still here. And now, you know, that relationship's changed again. Mm. So, um, yeah, relationships are so key. The, um, the children, and it's not like a relationship like, um, oh, I'm your friend and all that. It's, that's, no. No. But they need to know, I think, two main things. They need to know that you care and they need to know that you get them. Yeah, And above and beyond that, then, you know, and your standards are high and they have to follow what you're told them to do in an appropriate manner, you know. But So what's, what's the core thing to demonstrate you care and you get them? So it's that conversations that you have where they know you know. They know, let me try and give an example because otherwise it's too woolly. If I tell you about one of the boys in that Basildon class, yeah, his parents had left, um, he's not, he's, Mum had left and left him and his dad, and he thought it was his fault. And he was a really funny little character. And he would push and push and push. And we, <laughs> he would go under the table and all of this kind of thing. And I would just take the class out and not react, not get involved in great long conversations with him, convoluted things. I would just leave. And then we'd come back and then da 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 da. And then we did our assembly. So I'm a firm believer in these things that you do together as a class. We did our assembly, and it was about World War II. And we had this standing joke. I don't know if you've ever seen um oh it's one of those comedy shows it'll come to me in a minute where there's a running gag where they all run across and they go and they're all carrying suitcases and he goes come on come on and they run across the screen so we did an evacuees version of that so they got their suitcases and they run across and i go come on evacuees and they'd all run across and this particular child he brought in this really important suitcase from home it was a, my dad's no one's to touch it no one's this no one's that 
And I thought, right, the guy's engaged, he's involved, let's just run with this. Yeah. Anyway, in the end, he went on and on about the suitcase. And I said, now, listen, one more conversation about the suitcase. I'm putting you in it. And we sat inside <laughs> the suitcase and we pushed him along the corridor. And he was laughing so much. And then on my birthday, he brought me a little bottle of perfume from the, the, the shop in Long Riding. I mean, oh, bless him. And then he gave me a hug. Oh, and a couple brilliant. of the other girls who were like real hard girls, they went, oh, my God, he's hugged you. And it, that, that was it. And then... He went on, and after school, secondary school, he's now running his own uh, garage maintenance place. Fantastic. And I still see him. Still see him. And he goes, oh, he waves at me. <laughs> it's like... It matters, doesn't it? I, yeah. I had a message on Facebook last week from someone in my first class, 1983. No, 1984, I taught wow. her. And I had a message saying, are you, are you the Mr. Crook who used to teach in Latchenden? Do you remember Charlotte? And I said, sure do. Mm. And you've got the same smile still, haven't you? So that hasn't changed at all because she always looked at me as if to say, are you as stupid as you look? Because, <laughs> you know, I like you, I used to do things quite surprising and she wasn't used to having a teacher. This was year five. She wasn't yeah. used to having a teacher who did quite surprising things. And I said, yeah, it's me. How are you? And you think, wow. That you can be bothered to remember from 39 years ago. That's the impact. And I think the thing we, we have to remember as well is the power of the words we use, the mm. power of the words. They never forget what you say. Mm. And one of the rules I have to bring to myself, because sometimes you can get tired or you're aggy with the children or whatever, would I say that to you if your parents or carers were standing at the door? And if I wouldn't, then I'm not going to say it. Because oh, Helen, that's such a great... All you new teachers out there... <laughs> Because we've all, every single one of us, and anyone who says they haven't is, is, is technically dead emotionally, every single one of us have said things that you think, oh, I shouldn't have said that, and, yeah. and you, you retract it instantly or you get yourself out of the hole by saying, now, do you know what I mean when I say that? Mm. And they go, well, yes, I do. And you say, no, I don't think you do, because, because the words sound like I meant that, didn't I? What I actually mean is it's time now for you to listen carefully. That's what those words really mean. I just yeah, wanted to yeah. get your attention by saying that. I wasn't saying that because that's what I think about you. So yeah. listen out there, all you teachers. Make sure you've got a quick line like that. And, I, and it's... it's... <sighs> I mean, even recently, all the times I've, even with the children now, I remember this this week I went up to one of my children, he, it, year four now, will not start with capital letter in the beginning of a sentence. And he knows, and he's just not doing it. It's almost like he's doing anything he can in his power to irritate <laughs> me. <laughs> and it's working. Now, normally he will laugh off, I'll say something to him, and he'll laugh, he'll bounce it back. He's a funny little kid, and I know him, so I can take that risk with him. This week it went horribly wrong. And I, I said some joke about... Um, I said, so if you do not do a capital letter, I am going to scream so loud, this whole building's going to fall down. I said, I'll be doing this in marking T, capital T. And all of a sudden, hands over the eyes, so would not look at me, wouldn't talk to me, 15 minutes. And then I'm right in the classroom thinking, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I carried on teaching, and I thought, it'll come out, it'll come out, it'll come out. And in the end, I said, oh, just talk to me at lunchtime. And I spoke to him, and I think what he was angling for was an apology. And I thought, mm. actually, no, I haven't. Mm. But I did say, look, I didn't intend to get make you upset. And I don't want you to be upset, but blah, blah, blah. And we talked it through, and off he went to play. But if I hadn't gone in and done that restorative couple of minutes, 
Yeah. You know, it's it's hard then because we're human. We get annoyed. Absolutely, <laughs> but but actually, as well, from what you've just said there, you didn't do anything wrong, did you? Because mm. if you don't get an emotional response, if they just laugh off your comment, you've got a great relationship. They like you. They value the things you say, but if they don't act on them, then then what? What I keep just I keep saying it in the same tone, do I? I keep saying it in the same way, and you keep ignoring. It's that encouraging, yeah, yeah. And and sometimes you've got to say it quite harshly, haven't you? Mm. But then you've got to restore, like you say. You've got to have that restorative moment. And they know. Do you get get why I was cross there? Do you Mm. get that now? Do you yeah. do you really get it? Because I'm paid. My job is to make sure one of the things I've got five million things I have to do in my job, but one of them, just one, is to make sure children put capital letters in their writing. Yes. And you have been taught it now. Did you say it was a year four? Year four, and I know so we've had a gap, but you know, even yeah. still. So let's be generous. So he's been taught it for three years, two hundred days in school a year. Mm-hmm. So for six hundred, at least six hundred times, he's been taught that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty inefficient <laughs> response, isn't it, to a bit of teaching? <laughs> six hundred times, and I'm still not doing it. It's not a difficult idea, is it? Not really. Because they write in sentences. They Pardon? just don't. They write in sentences. Mm. They just don't demark them as sentences. Yes, exactly that. It's funny what you said earlier about um, how do they know that you care about them? And I think a lot of that is sometimes you need to make that quite explicit. And Mm. I would say, look, the reason I'm nagging you is because I care that you're doing this and that I want you to be okay. Or I'm nagging you because if you carry on with that manner and that way with other children, they're not going to like you. And if I didn't say that, because when you go to secondary school, blah, 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 is going to happen. And they know, and you've got to be quite explicit so that they understand that that's why you're doing it. You definitely have to be explicit. I had a lad once, you know, a bit like you said, you know, the girl in the shell suit type thing and quite a few big year sixes. It's summer term. I'm ready to go. I'm sick mm. and tired of primary school. la di da di da You've got them in. They've done, they've been Larry on the playground or something. And you get them in, in your office and, and they go, you effing hate me. And you say, actually, I love you. I don't, I don't want to marry you. I don't love you like that. But I love you, meaning I care for you. I want the best for you. I want you to do as well as you can in your life. That's how I feel about you. So I don't hate you at all, not even a bit. I'll tell you the thing I do hate. I hate your behaviour. I hate it when you do that. But I don't hate you. I just hate that bit of behaviour. So if we get rid of that bit of behaviour, one, you won't be in trouble. Two, you won't tell me. I effing hate you. <laughs> I won't have to have this conversation with you, will I? I said, that's really simple, isn't it? That's it really is. No, it is, Mr. Cook. Yeah, it's really simple. So it's really simple. So that doesn't mean you're instantly going to behave again, because I know you didn't do it because you wanted to do that. I know you did it because you just felt really cross inside or whatever. But we have to reach a point when you're really cross inside. I said, I'd much rather you come and swear at me. Yeah and push someone over yeah so i'm going to tell all the middays that if you're cross you can come straight in and no one is to question why and you can come and find me and if you want to shout at me because it makes you feel better you can shout at me as long as afterwards you say i'm sorry i shouted at you mr crook (laughs) i said that's fine by me because then that's safe isn't it 
you won't get in trouble. And like you say, there's me explicitly caring for you. Exactly. Without it being, the, the, and it's where people get that idea wrong sometimes and just try to become too friendly and too sort of down with the kids and all that. Yeah. And they don't know where they are then. No. They need to know you're you, yeah. that you are human, that, that you do care and that you will tell them if they need to be told and you will support them and you will go the extra mile for them but you're not their mate. And I think sometimes possibly people get unsure, especially with the older children, about where that relationship is. Yeah, I had it I had it said to me once, I became head teacher of a school and uh, the deputy had applied and hadn't got the job. And she said to me, I think the children like you too much. I said, what's the problem with the children liking me? She said, well, because then they don't respect you, do they? And I said, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't agree less. No. I said, that's the most absurd thing I think I've ever heard. I said, what, what happens in assembly? Do children sit quietly and listen? Do children hold doors open when I walk by? Do children say good morning, Mr. Crook, when I see them in the morning? Do the children go home and say, have a nice day, Mr. have a nice evening, Mr. Crook? So what do you mean they don't respect me? I said, that's absolute rubbish. You don't have to be unpleasant to be yeah. respected. Exactly that. I like the children. The children like me. That's the right relationship in school as long as we have respect. Yeah, that's, that's one of the exactly schools it. I became head of. I was walking through the hall one day and it was it was break time. One of the teaching assistants said, Hello, mate, you're all right, not to me, oh. to uh, to the children. I said, Have you got a moment? I said, Can we can we not call the children mate? I said, because we're not mates, you know, we're not at that level, are we? We're not on the playground playing football together, going around each other's houses, meeting up at the weekend. I said, you've got an elevated position in terms of respect, mm. but you can't diminish that by saying hello, mate. And my caretaker, brilliant, brilliant bloke, who I've got so much time for still, but used to go, hello, mate. I said, Keith, you can't call me mate. <laughs> I said in front of the children. <laughs> I said, I don't mind what you, just call me by my name is fine. I said, but but there's got to be some respect and we have to model that and demonstrate it and using names. He said, all right, then. He said, all right, I don't want to call you Jeremy, though. He said, can I call you boss? I said, all right, you can call me boss because that's not a term the children would definitely use. <laughs> so we go, right, boss. How you doing, boss? And I'd say, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Mr. Hughes. I'm very good. Thank you. And uh, the children go, boss, you're the boss. I said, uh, I said, it's the relationship Mr. Hughes and I have that uh, that allows him to call me boss. Um, no, exactly. I say this endlessly on this podcast. We could stop there because that's been a really valuable 10 minutes about how you establish very positive relationships which make children want to come to school, but also which have the necessary respect and esteem built in. Because we talk a lot, don't we, about teachers respecting children. But you've mm. got to have it back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that thing you said about seeing a child from years ago, do you, I don't even remember years back, there was a website where... Um, oh, it had Friends Reunited. Friends, Friends Reunited. And there was a teacher's wall on it. I don't remember. And it was quite scary to go and look what children were saying about you and they used to write things about you in the, on it. And I went and looked... Thankfully, I've never been there. And, uh, yeah, I was, my, I was OK. But one of the girls wrote... Um, that when Miss Denton, I don't know what I was called then, <laughs> um, she said, uh, when she said, um, she said to me, the world takes you at your own expectations, so make them high. I'm like, did I? I have no memory of saying that to that child. Oh, how good but is she's that? She's never forgotten it. 
and she's written it on. And she was the girl that um, had horrendous acne when she was about 13. And I said to her, look, you're going to be in Bugsy Malone with me. You're going to be in it. I'm not going to in the end, I persuaded her to be in it. She was one of the, the lads, and she carried a, a hat down so you couldn't really see the acne. Yeah. And she was in that production, and she stood in front of all those children because I'd said, come on, you can do it, you can do it. And it, that was the thing she put up on the... If you hadn't made me be in Bugsy, I don't know what I would have done. And, like, and that's what you do, isn't it? That persuasion. That's what you do. Yeah. You say, yeah, of course you can do it. Of course you can. Yeah, there'll yeah, be bits which are tricky, but I'll help you, won't I? So, of course, yeah. you can do it. What are you worried about it for? And that, exactly. and you think, don't you, something that seemingly quite small for us, being in Bugsy, is huge when you're yeah. young and everyone else is doing it and you really want to do it yourself. You really, really want to do it yourself, but you're thinking, I've, well, I've got all these doubts. Yeah. questions you know I've done loads of acting after I left school right yeah, after yeah, yeah. I left school <laughs> and in school I didn't have the nerve to do it and no one I can't imagine said, you being like that I just thought no. you'd been right up there <laughs> yeah pe people are often surprised by things I tell them and um and if only I'd had you <laughs> are you interested in doing this are you interested in doing this why don't you come and do this you've got a nice singing voice come and do this no one ever said it to me, ever, at secondary school, that is. No. Uh, I used to do things at primary school. No one ever said it at secondary, so I didn't do anything. I did one thing in, in my last year. I was a pleb in Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> How very fitting. I couldn't possibly comment. No, and that was it. And then the next year, I played Billy Flynn in Chicago, at the Civic Theatre in Chelmsford. And then mm. I did Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls at the Civic mm. Theatre in Chelmsford. Then I did Daddy Warbucks in Annie in the Civic Theatre in Chelmsford. Uh, amateur productions, but, you know, serious yeah. amount of work involved. So I went from a pleb to being those characters. And it was only, it was down to thinking, well, yeah, no one, I don't know if I, well, I haven't got the nerve to do it. But you do. On that talk that I did at the deputy thing, um, at the beginning I did um, a bit of a video of Peter Kay, you know, the teachers with amnesia, where they go, where should you be? <laughs> Who I am? And it was just hilarious. And don't come swanning in like this, you know, do all these different things we say, you know, the classic teacher things. And, um, and then at the end I played, I know it's been played to death, the Ian Wright clip when he mm. finds his old um, PE teacher. Yeah. And if ever you want inspiration, if anyone's not seen it, I would say watch that. Because even when I did the talk, I was welling up like I am now because yeah. you can't watch it without. No. Because you know, <gasps> he was the only person that ever told Ian Wright it was any good at anything. Yeah. Oh, and that just makes the whole difference. And, and again, that is the very justification, isn't it, for a broad and balanced curriculum? Because mm. everyone's good at something. And that is true. You might not yeah. be the best, but you're good. Yeah. And, and therefore, we need a broad and balanced curriculum so that we can actually find the thing that the child's good at and then that will rub off on everything else they do. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Ian Wright, ex-Arsenal and England footballer. <laughs> so if you put Ian Wright, ex-Arsenal and England meets PE teacher in a Google, that will come up. Um, it's about a two-minute clip and it's, yeah, it's fantastic. He's the, you can see the respect he has for the for this PT. And also, he said, I thought you was dead. 
<laughs> and he, he obviously clearly wasn't. But he's, oh yeah, just watch it. I'll tell you, that will be fabulous. Well, no, it, and, it, and it is brilliant. Never underestimate the power of being a teacher. That's the rule, in it? Never, ever, ever underestimate it. If, if you have good relationships, if you promote the right things, if you build children up to believe they can do anything they want to do, they'll remember you. They'll remember you forever, literally, because yeah. I can still remember the teachers <laughs> who did that to me. Yeah. As I dare say, you can. I can. Now, Annis Patterson, my music teacher. Who? Annis Patterson, my music teacher. Fantastic. My mum, who's 91 now, used to say, oh, don't become a teacher, son. No one appreciates what you do. And hmm. I saw her on Friday and she said... I've just had a visit from someone I taught 40 years ago and he took me out to dinner. <laughs> I said, really? She said, yes. She said, Martin came and saw me. I haven't seen him for years and years and years. And he said to me, I saved him in secondary school because he was very artistic and creative, wasn't one of the lads. And he mm. said, music, creative arts, which is what my mum used to teach. He said, you saved me. Wow. And she said, it was just it was just wonderful to see him. And I said again, because I've said for the last 40 years whilst I've been teaching, uh, Mum, don't ever say that to me. Don't ever say, because you keep having people remembering you. <laughs> and they remember exactly. you because of what you did for them. And I said exactly. it to her again. I said, so was it worth being a teacher, Mum? Well, I said, no, don't start with well. <laughs> Remember, Martin's just come and seen you and how marvellous that was to see him and, and share memories, great memories. All right, she said. All right. But no, I said, no, we're not having any buts. We're moving on. <laughs> I'm going to pick up. We're actually going to move back because you said something about having high expectations, mm. which I think is absolutely critical to everything. Yeah, so and, and being consistent. You have to be consistent. So even if a bit it's about that, tell us a bit about how do you get high expectations or how do you set high expectations? I what do you have to do in class? They, so I don't know, I'm trying to give an example of something. Um, it, it might sound innocuous and unimportant, but it actually it, it isn't. So, okay, golden rule. I'm sorry to interrupt again, but uh, golden yes. rule is everything's important, isn't it, or we wouldn't do it. That's true. The, okay. the thoughtful, caring, knowledgeable, <laughs> wise teacher realises that everything they do matters. And some things matter a little and some things matter a lot, but everything matters or I wouldn't do it. Exactly that. So when I moved, when I started deputy head at the school I'm at now, 10 years ago, um, I introduced certain things that I thought were important. And at first, I don't know if people quite understood what I was on about, but their children never tuck their shirts in. And as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, Let's start showing pride in our uniform. Should we tuck that in? Well done. Excellent. Don't forget, pride in uniform at St Mary's. We always tuck our shit. And on, on, and on, and on, and on, and on. Every assembly, even the little four or five-year-olds, oh, can you help me tuck your shirt in? And now, within actually not long, as soon as they saw me coming down the corridor, shirts are going in, yeah? stuck in their shirts. Yeah. In and I said, it's about pride. You show pride in your uniform. You show pride in your how you present your learning. You show pride. And I also introduced the word learning, not work. Are you learning nice. every time? So, yeah, so I'm like, no, it's learning. So every, um, every at the end of every playtime, you line up, hands in the air, is everyone learning ready? Are your shirts tucked? And they're just on and on. And I've never, ever stopped. I've never dropped it. I've never, it's, and everybody now picks up. Everybody's on about the shirts tucked in. Da, 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 da. And although it might be, 
not seem terribly important. It's that they know then that's demarcation, end of playtime, time to be ready, get in, done. Yeah, and it's... And, yeah. Uh, you're not saying it's not important, are you? You're saying it's unbelievably important. Yeah. <laughs> because because that's exactly it, isn't it? And you do that in everything. That little lad who wouldn't use his capital letters. Yeah. It matters. That's where you get high expectations from, like you say. Things where you convince people, persuade people, force people to do things. People. Yeah. To do <laughs> the things that really matter. Because yeah. if you don't do the things that really matter, what are you doing? Exactly. And it's the little things I've said to my children a lot. I said, you probably think, why is Miss Linton nagging us about face the way you're going in the line? Don't be talking to dirt. Make sure you've done. I said, because if the little things work, the big things work. Totally. If the little things are falling to pieces, how can I get you through where I need to be? How can I get you to make the progress and enjoy your day and feel confident and safe and comfortable if I'm just allowing anything to happen? Yeah. You there's no there's no foundation and that's what we say with their learning isn't it because if we've set an expectation for learning one day and they've met it and we've set as high or even higher expectation in subsequent days and then they don't meet it and we don't say anything about it and then their work is worse than it was before mm. and you think not that actually i've pitched the work wrong but their work is worse than it was before because they just haven't tried as hard mm. And if we let that go, then we're saying to the children, aren't we? Oh, it doesn't matter, really. Do what you yeah. like. It's okay. Everything's okay. Anything goes. Yeah. And, and then they don't know where they are. No. That inconsistency. That, you mentioned yeah. the word consistency. You have to. And I think... Do you want me to do great work or is she not really bothered? Yeah. Because yesterday she was super keen. Today she doesn't seem to really be bothered about that. And don't get me wrong, we are human and there are days when we really don't have the energy to push that one again because we're pushing 17 other things. Yeah. But that's when you need to choose. What is it that I, I absolutely have to have? No matter what else is happening around me. You know, if I've been pulled out for this meeting or this conference or this, that, that is still my expectation, an X amount yeah. of work. And I always say to them before they hand anything in, even if we're racing to play time, I go, take a look. Are you proud of it? Oh, if great phrase. It, stop there. Stop there. Can you just say that phrase again? Before you hand any work into me, just look at it and decide, are you proud of it? You know, we, we hear endless, endless old cobblers about assessment <laughs> and different types of assessment and why they're so essential. Helen's just given you the phrase that you can use forever for the rest of your teaching career Every single lesson, because we know one of the key aspects, five key aspects of assessment for learning, children taking responsibility for their work. And yeah. it's probably the, the most important one if you want high standards. And Helen's given you the phrase, <laughs> you don't even have to think for yourself. <laughs> Take a look. Are you proud of it? I've never used that phrase. I have said adaptations around that. That would have, I'd have put that up on the wall. Take a look. Are you oh, proud, proud of it? What a great line that is. In a nutshell, and they go, yeah. And then you say, why? Yes. Mm, uh, I've done two questions. That's it. <laughs> How many did you do yesterday or a week ago? Yes, you did 15. Ah. I'm just going to say that again to you. You did 15. Exactly. Massively powerful, isn't it? As soon as you reflect back. Mm. I used to say to teachers all the time, when children ask you a question... If they could actually answer it themselves and they're asking you because they're lazy and just want to short circuit the process, all you do is bounce the question straight back. 
So they say, how do I write this sentence with a frontal adverbial? And you say, how do you write a sentence with a frontal adverbial? Have yep. a look on the board. Have a look on the working wall. Have a look in your book because we did them last week, didn't we? That's so much better than what I was going to say is get, getting into the conversations. This is where short circuit the conversations. Don't get into conversations about it. And no. it's so easy to do. Well, I mean, there's. I just modelled it. I mean, do I really have to keep telling? If you look at something, like, we've been doing it all week. I really don't understand what it is that you don't understand about what I'm expecting. In the meantime, they're like, yeah. how do you do it? I'll come back in five minutes and let's have a look. But you, it's so hard to not get involved in that embroiled in well, being totally. a child. And, and sometimes they want to embroil you in it, don't they? And I don't they absolutely do. Any great tactical plan to get <laughs> you embroiled. They're just thinking, oh, when I ask Miss this, she always does this. So I think I'll ask her because it's going to be a, there'll be a show if yeah, I ask her that. <laughs> they're not they're not they're not malevolent, are they? When they do that, uh, but sometimes as well, and I used to do this all the time. It got me out of the work, mm. Mm. and it got yeah. me out that you know, I went to a grammar school, and in truth, the teachers weren't interested if you didn't understand. They just wanted to deliver their curriculum and uh, no one ever said anything particularly kind to me in that school, you know. And you think, no. well, a kind word just once or twice in seven years rather than, you know, once or twice a day would be nice, but just once? I'm know, sure, I, I'm sure that's taking... unfair, but I'm sure a few people said a couple of kind things, but not many. I was once called a Jekyll and Hyde character mm. no, by, I the, don't see by, that. by the school vicar. How do you like that? Yeah, you're a good Christian, aren't you? And, uh, and, yeah, and I was called a juvenile delinquent once by my old teacher. Yeah, that's nice. And I, I said, I said, excuse <laughs> me, sir, that's really unfair. He said, well, and I did hang around with some Larry blokes, you know, and mm. he said, well, they get in trouble and you don't. That suggests to me that you're the instigator of the trouble and you're you're clever enough to keep out of it. I said, you're operating on a different level to me. What you said, get down with the kids, you know. Yeah. I said, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. I just keep out of trouble. Exactly. Am I, am I involved up to the point where it becomes mildly serious? Yes. But do I know when to stop? Yes. yes. That's the difference. So you saying that is really unfair. Yeah. Talk Talking about tricky moments in class, have you had anything where you've gone, ah, I don't know what to do. What's going on? Yes. Um, I think less so more recently, but especially in the beginning, I had, like I said to you, I, I was only, I looked young. I mean, it works when you're older, but when you first start teaching, you've got great big lads and girls up here and you're just, you know. And um, so I was in this particular classroom, year nine on a Friday. So year nine music, I used to have them at period four and period seven on a Friday, two 35 minute slots. They hated music. I was scared of them. They knew it. And it was awful and I managed it manage it and in one particular day one of the little children one of the not little she was quite small actually was so rude to me I was like right so I went out and in between I got the head teacher to come down which I think will be a good thing anyway the head teacher came down and he went over to this girl who looked like a boy and went right Sonny like this to this and the whole class started laughing at him and I thought oh this was worth it this was great so anyway, he left and he all turned to me like the midwich cuckoos and went, you shouldn't have done that. And I thought, oh, okay, what do I do? And I said, well, do you know what? If you lot weren't so plain up, blah, 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 I wouldn't have had to do it. I don't want to bring the head in. Did it. And within that conversation, they kind of went, okay, 
well, yeah, all right. I mean, they weren't brilliant after that, but no. they weren't as bad. You know? no. And I don't know what turned it, maybe because I spoke with them or I articulated how I felt about it. You know, I'm only new and you're making my life a misery. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's an important really. sharing a bit of yourself with children is important, isn't it? Saying to I them, how so. do you think I feel when you do that? Mm. Yeah, how do exactly. you think I feel? Does it matter how I feel or does it only matter how you feel? Let's talk about fairness for a bit. Yeah. What, what really matters here? Should we all feel okay? We don't all have to feel brilliant all the time because you can't, but should we mm. all feel okay? Is it yeah. okay if you feel okay and I feel terrible? Is that okay? Yeah, and exactly actually, that. Just about any child I've ever taught will respond very positively to that. They'll yeah. go, no, no, it's not okay. Oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. And and then okay. we, did, we had a two-way conversation as well after that, and we came back in period eight, and I said, oh, let's just talk a bit more. We talked a bit more, and a lot of it was to do with the way, the sort of learning we were doing as well. And they were like, well, we don't get the da-da-da-da-da bit, and can we do more da-da-da-da-da? I went, right, yeah, we can do more of that practical stuff, but you've got to actually stop talking when I'm trying to get you organised. Oh, okay. And like I say, I'm not saying it was a miracle and they were great. They weren't. They were always challenging all through that year. Yeah, but, but it's never, it's never you don't have miracles, do you? Because what <laughs> you're talking about, I've got, I've got a, a great teacher. She only qualified last year. She's in her first year of teaching, working in Basildon. And she rings me up from time to time to say, oh, blimey, can we have a chat? Things are, oh, I don't know what to do here. And I don't know. And I say, yeah, of course we can have a chat. And we talk things through. And she goes, oh, I feel a lot better now. And really, it's just a bit, you know, get your things off your chest, really, because she mm. knows what she's doing, even though she hasn't got the experience, of course, that I've got. She used to say, why don't the children do what I asked? This was early on, first term of having her first class. And I said to her, I said, how long have those children been alive for? <laughs> let's, let's, let's break this down into some sort of realistic perspective. Anyway, we worked out it was something like 8,000 hours. And I said, and how long have you taught them for? In fact, it might have been 80,000 hours. 8,000 doesn't sound much. They must have been about seven months. Mm. Um, I think it was... <laughs> I was trying I to work it, that through, but I didn't have the brain power. Yeah, I haven't got the brain power <laughs> at the moment. Uh, I think it was 80,000 hours. And I said, and how long have you taught them for? How, how much time have you had, actually had in school with them? I think it was about week four. And I said, so you've had about 100 hours with them. So I said, they've been alive for 80,000 hours, developing their personality as it is now, and you've taught them for 100, and you've got 30 of them. Why do you think you're going to have made a massive impact in four weeks, 100 hours, on all 30 children when they've been alive, developing mm. what they're like for 80,000 hours? Yeah, I, said, I never thought of that. I said, you're not going to, I said, you're going to scratch the surface, aren't you? You might be able to force them to do certain things, but you won't have changed them as people yet, but you are changing them. Yeah. I said, think of it like a seed. You've got a seed germinating and you put it in your soil and you look at it and you look at it for a week and nothing's happened at all. <laughs> and you think the seed's not even going to grow. It must be dead. There's nothing happening. I said, and you look at children like that, you think, I'm not getting through, nothing's happening. I said, but you've got to understand, it's like the seed under the soil. Mm -hmm. Things are starting. New ideas are starting to grow inside them. New ways of doing things are starting to grow inside them. But they're not instantly going to do them, are they? You have to nurture mm -hmm. them. Like you said, all that stuff you said about trust earlier. Mm -hmm. When they trust you, then they think, right, I'm going to show a bit of my new personality now. 
and yeah. then they're much nicer. Yes, or they, they, or they work harder, <laughs> but they feel safe, don't they? I trust yeah, you. I know I can do the right thing. It's oh, it's so important. Helen, we're going to have to stop. Okey-dokey. I knew it would be like this, of course, because <laughs> we, we've talked about a few things that are so important, and I know you've got a million other things that, that you'd happily say. So tell us, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that when you were a new teacher, you really, really, really wish you'd known and had and had started to develop? I would say, yes, you can do it. And yes, they do care. Yay, nice. Because <laughs> they do care, don't they? They really Once do. you show you care. Yeah. Yeah. Helen, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to me. I was reminded when you were when you were talking about trust. I used to I, I like putting quotes in when one comes to mind, and uh, and very often one doesn't. But one has come to mind with this, and that is that trust is earned when action meet words. Mm. So it's no good saying things. You've got to do them, haven't you? Yeah. And if you want children to trust you, particularly vulnerable children who maybe can't rely on adults' words at all because what they're told and what happens don't match. Mm. But when in the classroom, your actions as the teacher match the words you're saying, that's when that little seed starts to grow, isn't it? And they think, maybe I can trust this person. Yeah. That difficult class you had where you said, well, maybe if you did this, I wouldn't need to do this, would I? How do you make, think it makes me feel? That was the seed, wasn't it? Yeah. Just starting. Or maybe that was even the seed being planted. Mm. Yeah. Great stuff. Helen, thank you so much. That's been so good. No, well, thank you for the opportunity. And you being the inspiring head that you were for me has helped me develop my career. So thank you. Yeah, well, you always inspired me, didn't you? Because you, like I said, right at the start, you were a right old maverick and so was I, so we got on very well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, folks, I hope there's been something there that has made you think, it must have done, it must have done. Helen used to say endless things that made me think, and she has done again today. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. Uh, we'll update you, of course, with anything that's going on with the podcast on Twitter at WhatNQT. But until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and it has been another joy to share with you what I wish I knew as an NQT slash ECT.